Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days of Jack LaLanne, the Jane Fonda workout, and sweating to the oldies. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show in uh, Pipe Parts, uh, we're going to touch on Father's Day, but we're going to touch on Father's Day books. Books that would be perfect for uh, giving as a gift for Father's Day, whether you're uh, buying it for yourself or buying it for someone else. So we get that. Uh, my guest is uh, journeyman pipe smoker Jacob Hundle. Had fun hanging out with him. Uh, in fact, since we recorded, I got to hang out with him here in Charlotte because he lives here. Um, music by request or by inspiration from Dan Locklear. Uh, mailbag and a uh, Father's Day rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews, much, much, much appreciated, greatly appreciated. So if you're registered or not on Apple Podcasts, please go over there, give us a uh, rating and review. Those are always appreciated. And keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show wherever you have friends that are pipe smokers, because that does help grow the show. Uh, It's summertime coming up, (laughs) almost summer, end of spring, technically. And, uh, just a reminder, you know, get outside, get out in public, find a place where you're allowed to smoke your pipe. And, uh, you know, like my favorite little coffee place that's next door to the little cigar shop. Uh, sit outside, get your pipe, get outside, smoke it, let people see what a pipe smoker looks like. Not not like, a, you know, not like that other kind of pipe smoker. But, yeah, make sure and get outside and do that. And, uh, you know, just be visible and uh, enjoy your pipe outside while the weather is nice. I mean, this has been the longest spring I can ever remember here in the Charlotte area. So, uh, yeah, get outside and enjoy it. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl, and here we go. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn. Or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, 
pipe parts or uh, Father's Day addendum? Because uh, I think last week with John David, we talked nicely about you know about Father's Day stuff. Well, I think that books, you know, first of all, books are books about pipes and pipe smoking are few and far between. So when we when we get somebody that's willing to uh, put a book out or publish a book or write a book or whatever, however they're willing to do it. <clears throat> We as pipe smokers, and and we're the more enthusiastic pipe smokers because we listen to podcasts about them. We go on YouTube about them. You know, we're we're on the forums all the time, so we're more enthusiastic. Well, we ought to support these books that come out uh, and keep them as references. You don't need to read them all right away. I've got a handful of books that I'm backed up on, but uh, keep them as references and just support these books so that we get more and more of them and keep the authors doing them. And to me, a book and a pipe just go along perfectly. And with it being summertime and the weather's nice to be outside in the Northern Hemisphere, well, it makes it even better. Uh, so books are a great gift for Father's Day. Books are a great gift for pipe smokers for any time. And uh, these are all readily available through the uh, through the uh, through smokingpipes.com in their book section. So if you order it in the next day or two, you can get it you know, in time for Father's Day without a problem. Uh, the ones that I want to point out first are uh, the two books by Rick Newcomb, In Search of Pipe Dreams and Still Searching for Pipe Dreams. Those are available right there. And if you don't have them, uh, they're perfect for anybody because it you know, just goes through. It's Rick's memoirs, basically, of his, you know, his, his pipe collecting hobby. Uh, brand new. The uh, the first one that I want to bring up, and I have it here in my hand, uh, is from uh, Mark. Well, it's by Larry Gosser, and uh, with biographies by Mark Irwin, and it's called "Of Pipes and Men." Um, it's <laughs> illustrated, and it's quite funny. Uh, at the same time, it's biographies of you know just men, and uh, and it says and dames too uh, that smoked pipes. Just a few that they cover. Uh, in addition to Buzz Aldrin, uh, Edward G. Robinson, Jimmy Cagney, and a few that I've never heard. So, and it's really light, easy reading, and fun illustrations. Uh, you know, probably for most avid readers, be able to get through it in you know probably an hour. But uh, Jackie Kennedy, and again, the illustrations are fun, and the and the the biographies are light but well researched, just like anything uh, anything Mark does. It's really well done. Uh, the second one, for those of you that are uh, fans of Tolkien, uh, it's an updated version of Pipe Smoking in Middle Earth, the Fellowship of Pipe Smoking, and it just goes through all the, uh, you know, all the different, uh, all the different books and references where pipe smoking is mentioned and when it's mentioned. Uh, and as the back of the, as the back of it says, pack your pipe with your favorite blend, sit back and enjoy the definitive exploration of middle earth's pipes, tobaccos and pipe smokers. Uh, the first half of this revised and expanded edition of pipe smoking in the middle earth recounts the way Tolkien frames his legendarium in smoke rings then provides a close look at what can be known and what can be reasonably inferred about pipe weed or leaf uh the pipes of middle earth uh smokers accessories and and so on and so on but and again you know when mark puts something together it's really well done and this is the newer expanded version 
again, it's you know for anybody that's a Lord of the Rings fan, and a lot of us came to pipe smoking by way of the Lord of the Rings. Well, it'd be worthwhile. Um, and then there's another one for for you uh, Sherlockian fans, and this is uh, the pipes of Basil Rathbone, uh, Sherlock Holmes. And as it says on the back, from nineteen ninety, uh, from nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty six, Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce starred in a fourteen film franchise that would define Sherlock Holmes and his biographer John Watson for generations of moviegoers. The Pipes of Basil Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes offers an informal guided tour of the pipes smoked by Rathbone, Bruce, and a host of foes packed with film stills from each of the films and sure to delight the pipemen and devotees of the great detective. Uh, This new edition includes a special interview in the afterword with Cap'n Peterson pipe specialist Giacomo Penzo on recreating Rathbone's 4AB for the 2021 pipe of the year. And again, lots of great images, lots of good photographs of pipes. And then you can actually, you know, figure out what the uh, pipe was that they were smoking and have, you know, search them and get your own. Um, All right. So those are, I mean, those are uh, brand new and out. Uh, The other one that I like is, you know, the about smoke and encyclopedia of pipe smoking. And it's more of an encyclopedia and and definitely a reference book. Um, Not available in print is uh, Fred Hanna's The Perfect Smoke. It's on Kindle only. And then out of print, here's two that I've owned and I've read and I've enjoyed. And uh, the first one is The Gentle Art of of, uh, Smoking by Alfred H. Dunhill. And this was, uh, I'm going to skip through here real quick to see. This was originally printed in 1954. And it just goes through the history of smoking and tobacco and pipes and cigars and cigarettes. Um, not a real big book, not relatively big, but again, it's a perfect size and one that you can read in reference sections if you need to. And then the last one is Our Family Business by Mary Dunhill. This was written in 1979, and it just details the family, the Dunhill business from that point on up to, uh, you know, up to 1979. And it's an interesting perspective because it's from Mary's point of view about her family's business. So there you go. Some books uh, for Father's Day, gift ideas, or just, you know, buy for yourself. Um, The last two you may have to find on eBay or Amazon or do some searches for it. Uh, If you want to get the definitive book on uh, the book on pipes and tobacco, look for the Carl Ewa book, which we've mentioned several times here on the show. So. All right, in just a moment, my discussion with Jacob Hundle. This is Internet Radio. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then, we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. 
If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is another one of those uh, uh, five to ten year pipe smokers, the middle aged pipe smokers, the journeyman pipe smokers, uh, the people who survived their uh, their rookiness and uh, tongue bite and all that. Uh, and and this one is right down the road from me on the south side of the city of Charlotte. So Jacob Hundel, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hey Brian. Thank you for having me. All right. So first, let's get to know you. Um, where'd you Where did you grow up? What did you want to be when you grew up? And what brought you to Charlotte? Well, I'm originally from a small town south of Houston in Texas that uh, not many people know of, but a little town of Brazoria. It's part of a much bigger county named after that. Um, ended up in Charlotte after many years and a lot of travels, but this is home for a while now. Um, not really sure what I wanted to be when I was uh, young, but I probably would have never guessed a geologist, which is what I am now. And maybe I should have been a dentist. <laughs> they still get a drill, but they make a lot more money. <laughs> yeah, but they got to look inside mouths. You get to go look outside. Ah, uh, touche. Yeah. And I've seen some of the faces they have to look in. Although I've seen some of the land you've had to. <laughs> Any, yeah, so what sparked your interest in geology? Oddly enough, I was uh, looking to go into the medical profession, and after taking uh, some introductory-type courses, I had to go do uh, clinical observation, where I spent two days in a hospital, in the local local hospital in Lake Jackson, Texas, and realized swiftly that was not going to be for me. Uh, fluorescent lighting days, and the only time you get to go outside is with a smoking circle. And a hospital smoking circle is not the jolly friendly place that uh, most other forms of unemployment. And after that second day, I said, nope, and uh, thought about what might interest me. And I used to love watching National Geographic and documentaries with my, my father, had an aptitude for science, took a geology course, and uh, I read the textbook in the first three weeks. I literally couldn't put it down and continued on until I had my master's and then, uh, wow! Still, still keep learning. So instead of finding out what was under the skin of humans, you wanted to find out what was under the skin of the earth. Absolutely, and uh, you know, rocks generally don't talk back unless no. you have some uh, psychoactive experiences when you're mapping them out in the desert. <laughs> Although, if you dig deep enough, those arteries will collapse on you too. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, so when did uh, uh, when did pipe smoking or smoking as a whole come into your life? Since one of my earliest recognition uh, memories, uh, stereotypical, but my grandpa did smoke. He was part of the greatest generation, and uh, fond of memories of him having a pipe and uh, reading to me. I'm sure nowadays, you know, people would be all up in arms that a newborn is next to secondhand smoke, but. I absolutely loved it, and there was a tobacconist in our mall in the next town over, 
And ever since I was a kid, I'd walk by and absolutely loved how it smelled. They did allow smoking in there at the time, so you'd have pipes and cigars. And I just thought it was the most amazing thing, simply from the odor, but you know, it was a wide cast of characters you'd see. And it just seemed like it was always something I wanted to try. So when I turned 18, I bought a basket pipe, some, I'm sure it was some kind of goopy type aromatic and no clue what I was doing and gave it a few tries and said, this is not what I expected and didn't come back to it for a long time. So now you're in your mid thirties now, is that? Yep. Closer to 40 than uh, 30, but I'm still in the thirties. And you just picked up the pipe. How long, uh, how long ago did you come back to the pipe? Off and on. Um, in 2009 is when I started to pick it back up. I've been an on and off again cigarette smoker. Um, generally would roll my own towards most of my cigarette experience. So I'd have control over the tobacco. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed cigars, but as a college student, they were quite the rare luxury. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going into the local tobacconist and uh, was going to the briar shop there in uh in houston and oh yeah buying some cigars and just you know what i I really miss pipe smoke let me try this out and certainly it can be cheaper than cigars you know 13 dollars cigars gone in one smoke where even a several hundred dollar pipe you will probably have the rest of your life yeah um so i picked it up and got fairly serious with it um was smoking fairly regularly, you know, asked questions, learned a lot more. You know, the internet was around at this point, so I could also do some basic research. You know, just simple things that a good tobacconist will tell you on your first purchase, like how to pack a pipe, how to smoke it, you know, your cadence and such, the different types of tobaccos. And I found it was just a whole world to dive into that was, for me, way more complex than learning about cigars. Um, so I, I smoked them fairly regularly, and then I went overseas for work, and that's where my on and off again really came into play. Yeah, did you, uh, when you were overseas, did you run into some places where smoking wasn't conducive? Absolutely, and I, I have pipe smoking friends in Australia. Glenn, if you hear this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I did bring uh, some of my pipes with me to Australia, which was the first country i moved to for work and their taxation system is beyond onerous yeah uh, i was slipping around 50 grams of tobacco whether it was cigars or pipes was tax free which you know that's generally a 10 or <laughs> one or two cigars and then the taxes were exorbitant um so i evaded the authorities perhaps Uh-oh. not saying i did or didn't but had some selection there but it was often having to go and buy a bag of Borkham Riff for $30. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I smoked off and on, but it, it started to slow down there just from the cost of entry and quality of what I could find. Brick and mortar tobacconists were almost non-existent. And I believe that the few that were left have uh, been shutting down. So in Australia, I, I just pretty much stopped. I then went to Turkey though. And in Turkey, Tobacco smoking of any sort is a almost a national sport. If you go to a traditional <laughs> Turkish dinner, uh, it's a multi-hour affair of a bunch of 
meze, kind of like a tapas, and uh, you know, lots of lots of spirits and cigarettes in between. So smoking a pipe there was definitely not a problem, and my hotel was smoking friendly. Oh. And so that's when I really dove into it, probably the most educated and sincerely as an adult. So what was the uh, pipe tobacco availability like in, in Turkey? Un oddly enough, for being so famous as a uh, tobacco country, you know, yeah. camels will hit your tea spot. I think that was one of the old advertisements. Yeah. Um, pipe tobacco was not common, nor were tobacco pipes. They did have a brand of uh, aromatics. I can't recall the name. Um, you would typically have to go to specialist stores for that. However, I could bring in whatever I wanted um, very easily. So I would stock up on tins and I had almost my entire pipe collection, which was maybe 20 at the time, nothing fancy, but I could smoke what I wanted and do what I wanted the, in the evenings in my hotel room. That was uh, one of my great sources of joy when you're working a 60 hour week. Yeah. And you just, and all you have to watch is Turkish TV or the internet. Yep. Uh, now I, it, it was a pretty great place. I was living in Ankara, the capital, mm -hmm. but, uh, the work I was doing had me travel all the way from the Georgian border to the Greek border and in the Greek border. I found that the, you know, that's the side of Turkey. They grow more of the tobacco on is right. the European side and down, uh, on the coast. Well, a kilo of tobacco is a lot larger bag than you could ever imagine, but it was so cheap. I was like, oh, just give me a kilo. Um, I made about five cigarettes, roll your own out of prime, locally grown Turkish tobacco, and said I couldn't ever get through that bag. <laughs> yeah. uh, for us Americans, a kilo is 2.2 pounds. And that was probably pretty dry tobacco at that point, too. So there wasn't a lot of moisture in it. Nope. And it was shag cut. So it was uh, probably the size of maybe a five pound bag of rice. It yeah. was uh, took up a lot of volume and I couldn't really take it with me anywhere. And got a lot of strange looks from everybody who saw me carry it back on that trip. <laughs> here, here, Here's a guy with a pillowcase full of something. What's in that, buddy? <laughs> I mean, I probably should have done it like a bindle stick back in the Great Depression, you know, just walking along the countryside, all the tobacco in the world. But <laughs> I I had a phenomenal time, though, in Turkey. It's a beautiful country. The people were amazing. And thanks to the people and their kind hearts, I was able to actually take some time off. And I went to the uh, city of Eskeshehir, which is translates to old city, but that's where the Mirsham industry is centered. Yeah, All the carvers are there, um, and the mines aren't too far away. So being a nerdy geologist, I've had a fascination with Meerschaum since I got into pipes. And they were so kind, I found a pipe smoker before we did the trip that had his own uh, quarry. He had his own shafts, and lo and behold, he let me go down into a, uh active Meerschaum mine and quarry out my own piece. It wasn't... Wow. Uh, pipe grade, but I was still exceptionally proud. And the photo of my face down covered in sweat and dirt, holding that block of meerschaum. Uh, I don't think I've ever looked as happy in a photo as until my wedding day. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm glad you threw that in because otherwise you'd have been in big trouble. Yes, uh, I stay in big trouble pretty well, but I do know how to avoid some of those currents. <laughs> um, so I, I went out and the, the mining is unlike anything you would experience. And certainly they don't have uh, MSHA or OSHA over mm-hmm. there. So it was getting lowered down into a vertical shaft, not much bigger than me on a essentially a tire swing, um, about 70 to 80 feet down below ground. Uh, minimal supporting, but they're they're sinking those shafts everywhere and hadn't heard of anyone dying, so I figured I was safe enough. And if not, I'd have died happy potentially. Um, wow. Came out, uh, had a lovely day, and then the gentleman who had it, Hussein Evans, you can find his pipes still online. He made uh, two custom pipes for me, had a much better meerschaum, but. It was just a lovely city and a lovely experience that I'll never forget. And there's some ridiculous photos of me going into that mine shaft, holding a Turkish beer and a Turkish cigarette. So uh, good times. All right. That's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll get caught up to modern day with Jacob. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with um, well-traveled journeyman pipe smoker Jacob Hundle. Uh all right, so and then you then somehow you took another break in pipe smoking for another random reason. Sure did. Uh, unfortunately, my time in Turkey was far too brief and shorter than myself or coworkers anticipated. Um, so I went with my company to a job in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, which is the capital of Saudi, mm-hmm. and in the middle of the Saudi uh, the, the Arabian Peninsula. I'm not sure if people know this or not, but it gets really, really, really hot there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was living in a compound, uh, you know, walled off, essentially self-sufficient village with armed guards. It was the one they uh, actually based the movie The Kingdom over. It has changed the name afterwards. Uh, and before I had roommates in the house I was in, I could smoke my pipe in my room freely. Once I had roommates, they didn't particularly like the wonderful aromas of English blends or such. And, uh, well, it was just too darn hot to smoke outside for an hour when it's 115 degrees. So I uh, put them down, resorted to roll your own, because that was about the only vice you could have there. Um, Alcohol was illegal, and so it was Nescafe and roll your own cigarettes. Uh, so I put them down and when I came back to America, I 
picked it up a little bit, but the girlfriend at the time, then wife, wasn't a huge fan. Uh, her family back in Germany are smokers, and she can tolerate the secondhand smoke, but doesn't love it. So wasn't really didn't really have a place conducive for frequent pipe smoking. But I do it maybe a couple times a month, and still go out and buy some tins and I developed quite a collection while working overseas because every time I'd come home I'd go to the briar shop and go crazy <laughs> um, then we uh, we moved into a new house right before the pandemic and it has a wonderful patio that is perfect for smoking um, originally I was kind of sticking to cigars because I was in the pool a lot and I still have yet to find a good way to smoke a pipe in a pool but cigars yeah. are very easy and then I just got tired of the cigars so frequently and unpacked all of my pipe collection and tins and have been going pretty hard at it the last nine months and found that, you know, you've been describing this five to 10 year period as a journeyman. And I think that's pretty appropriate because I can smoke a pipe way better than I ever used to be able to. And I'm still learning. Tom at McCraney's taught me uh, some tricks a couple of weeks back that really helped and it's a personal journey, just the same. We all have our own ways we like to smoke and smoke different things. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't see myself putting them down any time soon again. How many pipes do we own right now? Too few. I've probably <laughs> got 30, 35 of various quality. Um, I used to not splurge too much on the pipes and i would almost have considered myself more a pipe tobacco guy than a mm -hmm. pipe like i couldn't tell you what the various shapes were uh the manufacturers didn't mean a whole lot to me so it was you know the the name brand factory pipes a couple peterson some sabinelli i seem to gravitate to the nording freehands quite a bit um and, but recently i've kind of taken an interest more in the pipe side and have been slowly learning and researching and asking questions and I've started buying my uh, first few what you would call probably artisan pipes and yeah. uh, I think that's the direction my collection is going to be going as long as my wife never sees the how many decimal places are on those pipes at the tobacconist we, we won't tell her um, but did the did the Nording freehands is that something that kind of you know, maybe appealed to the geologists in you because there's you know, the, the natural curves of it and following the grain and all that stuff. You know, I never considered it, but I think that's a pretty astute observation. Uh, I especially like the unfinished ones because as you use them, they would no two would ever be the same. Yeah. You know, they'll, have, they'll develop over time from exposure to the oils on your hands, uh, anything else that might have been there, the atmosphere. One of my favorites I used to fish with constantly, and so I'm sure there's been plenty of fish guts that have come in contact <laughs> with it. And I've enjoyed them. I, I find they don't pass a pipe cleaner as well as I'd like. Right. Uh, so they're they're not quite retired, but they're not my go-to's uh, so so much anymore. And and now that you're now that you're based here in the uh, in the lovely city of Charlotte or the the Charlotte area, how often do you get to smoke? I pretty regularly, as I said, I, I probably picked it back up uh, in earnest around nine months ago. Uh, much to my chagrin, McClellan's was one of my favorite uh, blenders. They 
they went down. Um, but it's still, there's still plenty of great stuff being made, have been made out there. And thankfully did have a little stockpile. Uh, but I, I probably smoke every day now, uh, two to three times a day if I can on a weekend. I found about five, five times is about as much as, uh, I think my tongue can handle it. Cause even without tongue bite, it's, that's a lot of, a lot of smoke. Do you, do you find on the days that you smoke more, the, the tobacco is less impactful as you go through the day? Or you know, if you give your mouth some time to rest, does it taste bigger and better and fancier? Yeah, I would I would say so. I typically use a, a mouthwash uh, several times after mm-hmm. smoking a pipe, especially if I'm going to be talking to people uh, in close proximity or... If I know I'm going to be smoking again, I'll I'll typically give a give it a rest for a couple hours, and I I change up what I smoke nearly every time. It's very rarely do I smoke the same style, two bowls in a row. Um, I might go from an English to a Lakeland to a Virginia Perique. Um, just kind of depends on my mood, and and a little bit the time of day too. So if you're trying to do four or five bowls a day and you've got several, you know, English style in there, they, they can kind of overpower your palate. If you just went from that to, you know, a straight Virginia. I'm so jealous of you that you can enjoy all those different styles and, and types of tobaccos and you're not stuck in one pigeonhole like I am. I don't think there's anything wrong being quote unquote stuck. There's even just in Virginia's, there's so much variety, uh, that can take you down a rabbit hole trying to find which ones you like and then what you might be in the mood for even then. But it's funny you mentioned that though. I was actually at McCraney's today and talking to Matt McCraney, you know, I, I smoke everything indiscriminately. I'll even, you know, I like some of the Lakeland blends. I just have to be in the right mood for it. And those seem to be a very big love it or hate it type. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely polarizing. Um, what is kind of the holy grail white whale pipe for you now? I got my first uh, Sir Jacopo uh, about a week ago. And I'm slowly breaking it in, trying not to rush it. I have not tried the patented Brian Levine method. <laughs> but it's there is something about the quality in that pipe and how it smokes. It's starting to click what a, a lot of the more... The veteran, the the master pipe smokers and collectors will say about their their pipes. You know, there there's a reason they're not y'all are not typically smoking a basket pipe constantly. Is it uh, so? Are you discovering all the little all the little details in the pipe and the and the little nuances of the experience? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, besides the gratification of all the wonderful flavors and you know for those who are looking for it uh, the nicotine there's a very tactile component to pipe smoking because even if you're clenching the whole time you still have to put it down periodically but i find with the some of my favorite pipes i just enjoy holding them or changing my grip and and observing them and a really great piece of briar is just fascinating to look at Um, i know you've got People who they they 
tend to care for things like flame grain or straight grain or okay. rusticated. And I, I don't discriminate against any of them. I find they all have their own character and intriguing components about them. Some downright beauty. Well, and I think that, that, that again, weighs into the, uh, the geologist in you. Cause you know, I would imagine there are geologists that just specialize in, I don't know, volcanic, uh, you know, uh, volcanic formations and stuff like that. But most geologists are going to look at all different kinds of soils, rocks, and doodads that are creeping up from underneath. Yeah, that's true. And those weirdos who tend to look at uh, the igneous rocks are called igneous petrologists. Um, <laughs> very few, though, I've, I've ever met, uh, typically you're in academia. Uh, for myself, you know, I enjoyed collecting minerals when I was younger. I think it might have been one of the reasons I went towards geology. So collecting pipes, maybe it's the, the next progression. Even though they're made of something living, they're still no two are exactly the same, even if they're a factory made because it's a different piece of briar. Yeah. And it's just absolutely fascinating what goes into the briar making those burls and how long it take, took to make those. And then you have to have a master craftsman who knows what he's doing with absolute best quality to get the best out of it. Yeah. There's a lot of points along the road before it becomes a pipe where it could, you know, just become something different or junk or has an opportunity to get uh, destroyed or, uh, or not make it to the, uh, not make it to the pipe pile. Absolutely. It's uh, it's something I wish there was more information on for entry level and mid level and probably the advanced pipe smokers of just there's not a huge library of all that goes into tobacco pipes, pipe tobacco at the ready disposal. I think perhaps a few decades back that was all in the the minds of the tobacco men in the industry and the avid pipe enthusiasts. Um, and unfortunately, it seems the industry has not died, but certainly tapered down. Um, and there's not a huge amount of the journeymen and entry-level pipe smokers, as you might think, to fill that gap. Hopefully, we see a resurgence and you know it continues to thrive because the more of us are there, the bigger the demand for the products and the more selection we'll have and you know keep the brick and mortars open keep the online retailers happy that's my hope at least it's interesting because you you said that and i i know a lot of the old tobacco farmers those guys didn't write anything down they kept their you know their secrets to growing a really good crop they kept it a secret because that's basically you know that was their trade secrets that made them money uh and then the same thing with the tobacco blenders a lot of them would you know, create their own codes and the secrets would die with them when they, when they moved on. So. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, not to harp on McClelland. I'm sure that's a well-versed subject in the last few years, but when Matt McCraney told me that they just closed, they didn't have an apprentice to take over. They didn't sell. It's gone. You know, yeah. that all their processes, procedures and what have you are gone. And, you know, even Tom McCraney apparently never got to go down in that basement. So yep. it's kind of a secretive industry in a lot of ways. Yeah. All right. 
I offered for you guys to bring me one or two questions of, that you want to ask. So now's your time. It's your show. What do you want to know? Well, I think uh, the one that comes to mind the most that I would like to know from you is what was your favorite pipe show that you ever attended and why? Because I'm looking to try to start attending some pipe shows. I know you've been very involved in that industry. and Certainly there has to be one standout show that you'll always remember. So the for me in uh, when I first started going to really going to the pipe shows, I was on the industry side, um, and because of that, I didn't get to really go around and see the and do the consumer things uh, until I was you know freed from that ten years later or eight years later. But the show that all the the one that I always looked forward to each year was the Richmond show when it was at the Holiday Inn. So that would have been like 2000 to 2008 or 2009. Um, I'm trying to remember when they when they got moved. 10, somewhere around there. And what I liked about it was that uh, even with, you know, with, with or without a table, you still had enough time to go around and visit with everybody. Uh, see the entire show, go back to stuff that you wanted to see again. And everybody was kind of based in the same hotel and you'd run into people in the bar. You'd run into people in the breakfast thing. You'd run into people everywhere. So it was kind of a, you know, it, it, it reminded me of, uh, you know, I guess like just, you know, summer camp and, you know, you were kind of there for three days all together. Um, and you got a chance to really sit and talk to people. Uh, so that was kind of uh, any of those Richmond shows. We had a few international pipe makers that came over. You had a few people from, you, know, you had visitors from other countries that came, but yet it was never as big as Chicago. Um, you know, Chicago, I is Chicago is the big one. And uh, I've always described it as, five days of five minute conversations and then you get to sit down and have dinner with somebody each night. And that's when you had a long conversation as opposed to Richmond in the old days where you could have long conversations with multiple people through the time. Cause there wasn't a real big rush to get around and see everything and do everything. Um, Chicago. I know many times I'd, I'd run into, I'd talk to somebody afterwards and say, Hey, why weren't you at Chicago? And they'd say, I was, <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't see you. Well, yeah, we were staying down in the golf wing and yeah. So you just not, you, you wouldn't run into people. Um, and then for me, when, when Richmond moved to, uh, to the convention center and then started having problems finding a place, uh, the West coast pipe show took over that because everybody was staying at the palace station or most people were staying at the palace station and it was the size and scope uh, and you could hang out and just, you know, randomly meet people for dinner. Um, so those are, I mean, that's, there's not one specific that I remember. Uh, I've had many, many memorable moments at pipe shows. Um, one of my favorites was meeting, uh, Smeo Sato after fully falling in love with his pipes. And then I, had the 
I had the balls. We'll just call it balls. Um, I had the balls to take five Japanese people from Tokyo out to out for sushi in the suburbs of Chicago. <laughs> and and got to I told them, I said, look, you guys order what you would normally order and show me how to eat it. Um, but there, there's a lot of those memories. But the, I guess my answer is the, uh, the smaller shows where you really get a chance to really meet and hang out with people. Uh, does that answer that fairly for you? I think so. That was a, a very well thought out for being on the spot answer. And what's your other question? Or do you have another one? No, that was uh, pretty much the only one I had overarching. I'm sure if I go through the entire library of podcasts at some point, you'll answer any question I have. Yeah, and that, and as we're recording this, you are just newly into the podcast, so you've got a lot of... Uh, Unfortunately, I'm sorry, you have a lot of catching up to do. I, I absolutely do. I uh, looked into where the beginning was, and it took quite a few scrolls on my phone to, to even get to episode number one. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Absolutely. What is your favorite pipe? That's Sir Jacopo I was just talking about. And what is your favorite tobacco? St. James Woods from McClellan. Rest in peace. Uh, what is your favorite drink? Mm. I'm just going to go broadly and say whiskey. Not in Saudi Arabia. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Ooh, that's tough. Um, probably a book. movie would be a close second. Now, are you still reading geology textbooks and getting all excited over them? Not so much. Not so much. Uh, they say, you know, do what you love. I think that's because it'll take the baseline down to tolerate it. Where if you do something <laughs> you tolerate, you'll end up hating it. Uh, occasionally, I get a little interested in something on the news, but mostly I just manage engineers and other people's money now, so... Yeah. much more interested in pipe tobacco you've got a better job you want to trade sure yeah well you're you went from dealing with rocks in the ground to dealing with rocks in people's heads uh, <laughs> yeah those are far more ubiquitous ubiquitous than you might think yeah and then finally do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory you know as i mentioned going fishing with one of those old nordings uh there's a really wild looking fish called the alligator gar the folks in the south will know that immediately but uh they're downright prehistoric they're not the smartest they don't put up a challenging fight for the sport anglers but they get awfully big and my best friend's a cowboy he's got quite a large ranch in tech down in texas with a bayou on it and i was smoking the old nording thinking yeah maybe we catch something maybe we don't just better than being inside and i caught a six foot alligator gar while clenching that nording the whole time and it, it fought me for a good while and i can't believe i didn't drop that pipe in the bayou so <laughs> i'd say that's probably the best one uh do you eat those things or you can't they're, they're actually really good to eat but they're the scales on the outside are darn near like a chain mail uh, and they're very bony so they're they're challenging to clean but uh, you can go into restaurants in Houston, at least, and there are some places that do have it on the menu. 
Yeah, I mean, that, going into a restaurant and ordering fish is my idea of fishing, so I'm glad somebody does it. <laughs> uh, Jacob, thank you very much for coming on, and thanks for doing this. It was my pleasure. Brian, please keep up the good work. We'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal. We know pipe smoking is a personal journey. That's why our small team of blending and production experts take a personal approach in every step, preparing tobacco products just for you. We source top quality leaf through the personal connections we've made around the world, hand blend that leaf, and carefully package each tin. Each product, from special releases like our small batch line to our most popular mixtures like Autumn Evening, are made right here in South Carolina by professionals dedicated to providing the finest of smoking experiences. Lighting up a pipe is an exploration through evolving flavors, thoughts, memories, and even dreams. From our hands to yours, Cornell & Deal tobaccos are your passport for that voyage, provided by people who, like you, value the journey. This is Internet Radio. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and for music this week, thanks to Dan Locklear for forwarding this to me. Uh, Jose Iturbi, I-T-U-R-B-I, born in Valencia, Spain in 1895, a classical pianist, died in uh, Beverly Hills in 1980. Uh, anyway, classical pianist, composer, worked on many, many, many movies in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Uh, and it, this is him playing from about 50 years ago in concert, and it's called De Fala. Thank you. 
And of course, you can find more on him by a simple Google search. Again, the name is Jose, J-O-S-E-I-T-U-R-B-I. Uh, I bet he wrote on some of your favorite classical movies. You've got some mail. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email it directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. And before we get into the mailbag, let me point your attention to a video that uh, Kevin has put the links in the show notes to, and it's called Why Turkish Meerschaum Pipes Are So Expensive. It's by Business Insider. It's an eight-minute video that really gives you an idea of the uh, of what the Turkish Meerschaum business is like and what uh, what uh, our friend Jacob got to see when he uh, when he was there. So, all right. And uh, going back to last week's show with John David Cole, a guy that some of you are familiar with, uh, Dino says uh, some very sage advice in your answers to the pipe parts questions. John David was a fun guest. His insights and experiences at the Chicago show were nicely detailed. Silk Sonic's smoking out the window R&B jam was a sad tale with very funny lyrics. I enjoyed it for what it is. Uh, thumbs up on your rant. My doctor has no problem with my pipe and cigar indulgence as he feels it's a good break from my food indulgence. <laughs> Thanks for an always entertaining show, Dino. Uh, and Dino does enjoy his food. Yes, he does. And uh, I've, Dino eats good food, too. Uh, and then Casey Ghost says, I hope your answers in the pipe part segments help the folks who ask them. But for I always get get topping and casing confused in my head. All I can tell them on slowing down their cadence is that it is best to learn this early in the game or else you're doomed to share the pain of a roasted tongue. Best thing I can tell them is not to pack the pipe so tightly. Uh, John David sure is a delight to listen to, and it's nice to hear him discuss the uh, failings of pipe smokers from an experienced point of view. I don't know what to do with my doctor. Like Dino, I carry way too much weight, and all this guy wants to talk about is my smoking. For crying out loud, I've been telling him the exact same thing for seven years, but he keeps bringing it up as if it's the equivalent to ripping the hearts out of little babies. <laughs> wow. Um, maybe get a new doctor. No, I'm just saying. Uh, thanks, Dan. And then Captain Kirk says, always a treat to hear that sweet Southern voice. Look forward to future episodes with JD. I enjoyed the music. Bruno Mars is a little out of my usual music taste, but I appreciate what he's done for pop music. I always considered him the modern day Michael Jackson. My four-year-old son has been singing Uptown Funk, and I'm sure you can imagine how that comes out. <laughs> I hope he pronounces the n in there um yeah i when i first saw bruno mars I, you know i got drugged there and I, I got dragged didn't get drugged got dragged to the concert and i thought all right early on this is this is the next michael jackson and now unfortunately i think he's gone off in a few little weird ways uh and then uh last well not lastly but uh, going on uh briars and bottles writes uh, I've ordered from the Country Squire quite a few times and was lucky enough to get J.D. on the phone one time. He was more than a gentleman, and his staff is also excellent. The tobaccos they create are pretty darn tasty, too. Can't say enough good things about the place. Hope to visit it one day. Yeah, you should get down there. And then uh, Trout Times writes, Always love J.D.'s take on things. He always sees the glass is half full. We all could learn a life lesson from him. I love the idea of a regular event at the Country Squire. 
Uh, did you hear that, John David? And then Renfield said, uh, your advice to take the pipe out of your mouth and pause when smoking Virginias and Vapors is particularly excellent. With the more subtle blends, it's all too easy to get distracted and end up uh, choo-chooing away on the path to tongue bite and an unpleasant smoke. Ask me how I know. All right, how do you know? Uh, anyway, and then he says, it was great to hear from John David again. While his blend fine then has its origins in a running joke, it's actually very deftly balanced and quite enjoyable. The Perique seems to play the role of integrating and enhancing the other tobaccos and topping rather than being a flavor unto itself. Good stuff. Thanks for another great show, Renfield. Uh, Renfield, you are most welcome. Yeah, and the, that fine then? Maybe we could petition to get it to come back. And finally, from Rich Ireland, uh, he writes, uh, Brian, as usual, great show. You should definitely do a regular segment with John David. I always learn something new on his show. Yeah, it, it's going to be fun to uh, it's going to be fun to have John David back, and uh, you know, every couple of months as I can wrangle him down. Uh, and uh, just a reminder, you can also see him at the upcoming Las Vegas International Pipe Show. Uh, you can also see me there too, and I will be at the NASPC show in Columbus, Ohio. We'll talk more about pipe shows next week. Remember, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. And keep sharing the Pipes Magazine radio show out wherever you are. And in just a moment, Father's Day rant time. Missouri Meerschaum Company has been continuously handcrafting authentic corncob pipes in the USA for over 150 years. They carry over 55 styles of cool-smoking corncob pipes, colonial-area clay pipes, and affordable hardwood pipes. From exciting new pipe and tobacco releases to accessories and more, Missouri Meerschaum Company is a must-see at www.corncobpipe.com. Missouri Meerschaum Company. Authentically original. Authentically you. Excuse me, Mr. Collins, but the show is starting. They, they need you on stage. Just one minute there, Charlie. I'm placing a bid for this great item on 10bids.com. Ever heard of them? Oh, sure. The Pipe Collector's Auction site. Well, I just sold some nice things on there myself. Say, you don't see much of that anymore. Yes, you sure don't, Charlie. But 10bids.com sure has it. They have vintage and luxury tobaccos, pipes... Accessories? You name it. Tom, baby, we need you on stage. Okay, Ed, visit tinbids.com, the pipe collector's auction site, and sign up for free today. Cowboy. Cowboy. This upcoming weekend is Father's Day weekend. Yes, it's the uh, antithesis of the Mother's Day weekend that we just had in the past. And although not quite as um, uh, vivaciously uh, celebrated as Mother's Day, I thought it was important to uh, you know for me to take a few minutes and kind of rant on Father's Day and what a father is. And, uh, and so we go to the definition in uh, Wikipedia, and it says a father is the male parent of a child. Besides the paternal bonds of a father to 
his child. The father may have a parental, legal, and social relationship with the child that carries with it certain rights and obligations. In my mind, yes, a father has, there can be a biological reason, and then there's also the uh, priestly father type. Um, but a father can be anybody that can look over you or guide you. And a father's main job is to, uh, yeah, if you want to get um, caveman-ish, is to provide protection and shelter and food. Uh, but at the same time, a father is an advisor. A father can be somebody that is a coach. A father can be somebody that is, uh, you know, a confidant. So fathers come in all shapes and sizes. And the one thing that makes a good father versus a bad father uh in my mind and this is just my mind and again i'm just kind of ranting about it um a father is one that uh will never give up on you no matter what you do i mean that you know there's got to be limits all right i'm sure jeffrey dahmer's father gave up on him but uh, a father won't give up on you a father will uh advise you honestly and openly a father will oftentimes be wrong but more often right by experience but at the end of the day a father will always be there for you and doesn't have to be one that's biologically related to you so there's my story of father's day and my thoughts on father's day and you know look i'm a father so odds are i could be wrong too um especially if my wife's around but don't tell her i said that don't anybody ever tell her i said that all right Okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, uh, thank you very much to Jacob for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Bring us some fresh wine. No more of this old stuff.